Hey, if you're new, I, I want to welcome you today, and you're kind of catching us at the tail end of a series of talks called Judge and Jury, and I have a confession to make. I'm a bit judgmental. Anybody else here today? I am judgmental. Come on, every judgmental person, raise your hands. This is Judgmental uh, Anonymous, but it's not anonymous. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're, I'll give you the opportunity to come on up, say your name, and, you know, I am judgmental. Here's what we've discovered through this series, and I believe it to be true. The longer you are in a faith-based environment, the more likely, I'm not saying totally, but more likely it is that you would become judgmental. The more you're in an environment where you're taught values and all these things, the more likely it is that you become a bit judgmental. And I'm judgmental. In fact, that's the way the world often thinks about Christians. They think, man, those people are so judgmental. And I just want to say, if you're kind of newer to the church, someone invited you, you're not even sure if you believe in God and, you know, you've kind of felt that way about Christians, which is why you haven't gone for a long time. Let me just say something. We're just going to own it. All right. That's a label that we've been given. And a lot of us, this is true. It's true. And so what we're trying to do through this series is we're trying to learn how to not have a judgmental spirit. Because I believe that's a religious thing, but that's not a Jesus thing. Anybody else agree with me today? I, I believe that is something that comes from religion. It does not come from the heart of Jesus. And so we're trying to learn uh, what it looks like to not be judgmental. But at the same time, I feel like this whole talk about being judgmental sometimes can create a little bit of confusion. So I felt like I needed to say this. That it's important that we learn to draw a line of distinction between being judgmental and using judgment. You know they're not the same, right? I felt like I need to unpack this because some people have been asking questions and wondering, what are we supposed to do? There's a difference between being a judgmental person and actually using judgment. Let me, let me give you a case, a scenario. I'm a dad. I have two girls. My two girls bring home a guy for me to meet. The tendency is I'm going to be judgmental, right? I should not be, but one look, if he don't measure up, he's not what I'm picturing, I might tend to be a little judgmental. I should not be judgmental. But on the other side, a good dad will use good judgment when you meet the person as to whether or not you're like, you shouldn't be with that guy. Do you understand the difference? No, it's blurry, isn't it? I know. I get it. It's kind of confusing. Let, let, let me illustrate it this way. The, the word judge, as Jesus would say, do not judge lest you be judged. The word judge literally means to condemn. In, in other words, it's like to take one look at somebody and just stereotype. One look at look them up and down. It's like, oh, I got you figured. I see them tattoos on the neck and all this and that. And I see the gauges in the ear. And I see what you drive. That's judgmental. That's what we do sometimes. That's judgmental. That, that's called, you ever heard this? Um, maybe you've been told, never judge a book by its cover, right? That, that's what I mean when I say being judgmental. It's when you're someone who's like, oh, that person and them, and you're judged, and you're always judging people by the way they look. That is not what we should be doing, okay? Now, the difference is when you get to meet somebody, you know, and you read a few chapters of them, and then you determine, that's a book I don't need in my life. That's just using judgment. Does that make sense? Like, there's a difference. If you've got somebody that's always hurting you in your life, you're like, you don't need to kind of bring them close to you. That's using good judgment. So we need to kind of learn how to parse this. In fact, I, I feel like most of our judgments that we have 
actually stem or come from our convictions. You have convictions, and I've got convictions. And most of our judgments kind of are born from convictions. That's why I say the longer you're in a faith-based environment, you grew up with a faith-based family, you've gone to church, you tend to have more convictions than maybe someone who doesn't. You've been given some values that kind of create convictions. Convictions are, you know, I live by this, I believe in this. And we tend to have more convictions. Oh, by the way, I just want to say, it seems like today in our culture that if you have convictions, you are almost seen as judgmental whether you ever open your mouth or say anything at all. You know what I'm talking about? That's not being judgmental, but if you have convictions, the world thinks you're judgmental. And so it's kind of complex. I guess what I want to say is our convictions are kind of complex. Because you got convictions, and I got convictions, but we may not share the same convictions. So it's kind of complex. How do we navigate this? In fact, I wanted to share something with you because I'm so thankful that a guy named Paul, we call him Apostle Paul, wrote down some things to a church to kind of help us navigate the complexity of convictions. That's what I want to talk about today. And so if you got a Bible with you, if you got your electronic device, your phone, smartphone or tablet, would you open up to Romans chapter 14? I am so thankful that Paul had to address this and help us out today. You know what's interesting is when Paul wrote this letter to a church in Rome, Paul actually took part of this, this book, this letter, and he had to write to certain group of people in the church that were being judgmental toward another group, and it was causing a mess. And so Paul writes in Romans 14, like, how do we navigate when it comes to the complexity of our convictions and judgments? Romans chapter 14, if you're there, let's dive in. Let's start at verse 1 today. Paul said this, Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling, without arguing, without fighting, over what kind of matters? Would you all help me out loud? Over disputable matters. All right, let's pause for a second. Paul wants us to understand that though we all go to the same church, we're not all at the same place in our spiritual journey. We all know that to be true, right? Like, like we, we all are part of the same community. Maybe we all believe the same basic tenets, but we're all in a different place. Some of you, maybe you're just checking it out. Hey, man, I'm glad you're here. Others of you, maybe you've recently made a decision to say, I'm going to begin to follow Jesus. You're, you're brand new. It's all starting. Faith is becoming a new thing to you. Others of you have been in church like me 20, 30 more years of your life. And so faith, you've had time for your foundation to cure a little bit. You ever, you ever build a house or something you dig and you dig and you put concrete in the ground? It's got to cure before it. Listen, when it comes to faith, it takes time. It takes going through seasons. It takes dealing with situations for a while for the foundation of your faith to cure a little bit. And so Paul wants to remind us, there's some of you that, man, you've got a foundation under you. You've gone through some stuff, and, and you've got the strong foundation, and you've got a lot of convictions, by the way. You've been in church a long time. You've got a lot of convictions. Paul says, you've got to remember there are other people whose faith is weak. Now, that's not a knock. He's not saying it like a dig, like, man, they just got weak faith. He's talking about people that maybe are brand new to faith. People are just getting started. He's talking about people whose faith is like infantile. And you know what I'm talking about, like people that are like just following Jesus. And then all it takes is one bad situation, one prayer request that didn't get answered. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't know if I believe in God. 
We've all been there. It's a fight. It's a struggle. And so Paul says, hey, listen, some of you, you got this strong faith. By the way, the word faith that he uses means conviction of truth. You, you might have some convictions, real convictions, right? You've developed over time. He says, you need to understand there's some people that, that, that are amongst you, they don't share those same values. They don't share those same convictions. He said, except those whose faith is weaker than yours. He says, especially in disputable matters. Now, here's the thing about convictions you need to know. Um, you have convictions that you live by. I have convictions that I live by. Here's the problem. We don't both live by the same convictions. In fact, our convictions are all different, and our convictions are developed over time through a variety of different inputs and sources. You want to know the primary way that I recognize in my life today that I have convictions? It came from my parents. How many of you recognize some convictions you've got from your parents? Like, like when I was growing up, there were some phrases or some words that I wasn't allowed to say. There's a conviction that was passed down to me. There's a phrase that, that uh, three words that I was never allowed to say. I'm going to say it. It's going to be hard for me to say. I'm going to say it, right? Oh, my God. Does that make you feel tense, any of you? Just like, like if you grew up like I did, I was told every time you say that, you are taking the Lord's name in vain. How many of you ever heard that, right? Oh, my God, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. Now, as I got older, I would just be honest with you, and I, I, I still, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't. Like, you're around other people, and they say, oh, my God, and you're like, shh. <laughs> That's what you meant, right? Lord, forgive them. They didn't know what they did. Oh, my gosh. Because that's way better, right? We're good in the church world, Christian world, of creating substitute. Oh, shoot. Right? We're good at these substitution words that we do that mean the same but don't mean the same, right? I, I, I would just tell you personally, it's my own personal. And again, you got conviction. I don't believe all the time when people say, oh, my God, in certain ways that they're actually taking the Lord's name in vain. I'm just going to say that. And I know some of you are like, Pastor, no, don't say that. It's a conviction, Okay. Some people didn't grow up with that conviction. As I say it, like, oh my God. And you're just like, stop. You know, that's a conviction. Uh, um, another place that we get convictions from are our church. I've talked to a lot of people, even today, like, man, my church said this and this. And when churches have their own convictions and then they tell it to you like it's a law of God, and if you break it, then you're sinning against God. No wonder we've got such strong convictions the longer that we've been in church, right? Experiences. If you had certain experiences, they actually create convictions in your life. If you've ever been in an accident, somebody that was distracted, or they were texting, or they were driving drunk, and it cost you and it pain, and you, you know what? All of a sudden, you have a real conviction that maybe you didn't know you had. That's conviction. We have convictions that come from, from media, from cultures, you know, social media, um, from like passions. Just the things that you're passionate about that maybe I'm not passionate about. We have our own passions. Like, for example, I'm just curious, how many of you are animal lovers? Raise your hand if you're an animal lover. All right, we've got, got a lot of animal lovers today. That is amazing, okay? Love, love animals. We'll do anything, you know, to harm an animal. Love animals. How many of you love animals, refuse to eat them? Raise your hand. One-ish, maybe? Some of you don't want to hold your hand up, right? You're like, uh, right? Like, you got a passion. That's okay. There's some of you, you're like, I love animals so much, I will not eat an animal. And that's a passion, and I completely get that. You just need to understand that there are other people that are so passionate about animals, they love them so much that they will spend 10 hours in a tree stand waiting for an opportunity to kill one so they can't eat it. 
That's also a passion. We got convictions. I'm just trying to point out something. We got some convictions. And you got conviction, I got convictions, but they, they're not always the same. You're like, whatever you're passionate about, I've got a conviction, and maybe some of y'all share it, um, that uh, God's a Buckeye. That's a, that's a conviction I have. Hello. Anybody else here believe that God is a Buckeye? Amen. Anybody else lose about a month of your life yesterday watching the game? Oh, my gosh. Listen, they need your help this week. I'm serious. They need, they need your help this week. I hope you're going to be interceding on behalf of God's team this week because this is the week they play that team up north. We don't even say it. That team up north. You know what I mean? And, and, and so that's a conviction. That's a passion that I have and that most of the sane world shares. And so we need to understand something about convictions. You got convictions. I got convictions. But we don't all have the exact same convictions. Now, there are some convictions that we share. There are some convictions that are commonly shared in a church and maybe in the world. I, I want you to understand, as a Christ follower, many of our convictions are shaped by the Bible, right? You, you have a lot of convictions. I've got a lot of convictions that were shaped actually from the Bible. Um, in fact, not, not just you and me, but I would say even governments have convictions that were shaped by the Bible that they turn into laws. Some are universally accepted, some are, but that's why our government takes some and put them in laws. Do you know there are some things that come from the Bible? Some of you go, I, I don't like the Bible, but that actually have shaped our culture today and have shaped our government. Like, here, here's one, for example, um, conviction from the Bible. You should not murder. That's a good conviction, amen? I think everybody should share that conviction. The government thinks you should share that conviction. You don't share that conviction, you're going to go to jail at the very least, right? That's a conviction. And so there are some matters, what I'm trying to say, there are some matters, even for us as Christ followers, where we believe maybe that this is a, an authority in our lives, there are some matters that we would say are black and white. They're clear. You shouldn't murder. I think we, you know, I think if I took a poll, we would all agree. Yep, that's a conviction we all share. It's real clear. Uh, you should not lie, right? Do not bear false witness. That also came from the Bible. I think most of us would agree that's a good conviction, right? You should not lie. If I were to say, how many of you have that conviction? I'm sure almost every person would raise your hand. And then if I said, how many of you ever lie? We get lost a little bit in that one. You know what I mean? It's conviction. Right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't steal. Conviction comes from the Bible. What I'm saying is that there are some convictions that we all share. There's some convictions our government agrees with. There are some convictions that when it comes to certain matters as Christ followers, it's really clear God's heart on these matters. And we all just kind of embrace them, accept them. You kind of like, just I'm going to get in line because God cares about other people and don't want you hurting other people and all this. Like here's another one that Jesus gave us. If someone hurts you, what are you supposed to do back? You're supposed to forgive the person. Turn the other cheek. That's, that's, a, that's a conviction that comes with following Jesus. I think the real complexity, it's, it's not any of those. The real complexity is in what I call the shades of gray. You know, the gray areas. I think that's what Paul's talking about, by the way, in Romans 14, 1, when he says, except those whose faith is weaker, is different. They're in a different place. They have different convictions. He said, especially in regard, do not fight, do not argue in regard to disputable matters. Can I just say, that's the gray area. 
there's gray area. There's lots of gray area. The shade, you know, the things where the, like the Bible doesn't really speak. We don't really all universally go, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely wrong. You shouldn't kill, you murder people, you shouldn't do this. I'm saying in other areas, I think most of us would, like the, you know what I'm talking about gray areas? Let, 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 me, let me talk about some gray areas. Here's a few, right? Um, to celebrate Halloween or not. That's a gray area. I mean, I wish I could find a verse for it. And there's some of you kind of like, well, I'll use this. And it's about worshiping the devil. But most people aren't worshiping the devil when they do it. And, and, and so that's a gray area. And there's some of you, I know this because you have a conviction because I grew up like that. There's like, don't ever do it. Don't celebrate Halloween. You didn't even pick up on that. Never mind. Whatever. Fine. I said Halloween, not Halloween. But don't celebrate, you know what I mean, Halloween like it's. And, and then there's others of you that go, come on, we're just dressing. It's not that big of a deal, right? I think I would put that in that category of disputable matters. We could argue this. And neither one of us are going to find something concrete to go, hey, this is what God's heart is on it. Okay? That's, just, that's, that's one. Maybe that one's not as big a deal. But here's another one. How a church looks. What constitutes a church? I, I had someone ask me right before this experience. They said, you, you guys are building that new building. Is it going to look like a church? So what's a church look like? Oh, that's a conviction. Well, it's got to have a steeple on it. Oh, man, I, I missed that verse. I have looked over and over. I like, I'm not sure. It's like, no, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see that one. No, but what it is, is for many, and this is, I know some of you have grew up in church right now. You're like, this is close to blasphemy, pastor. You need to watch it. Just watch it, right? Where's the cross? I get all of that, okay? And there's a reason, justification. I was like, but you know, I kind of feel like the church is not a building, but it's the people inside of it. So why are we complaining about what the building looks like? Now listen, if that one kind of just sits a little, eh, I want you to recognize something. That's a conviction you have. That's not a command. It's a conviction. Just, eh, just recognize that. So we have convictions, you know. What kind of music you listen? Here's another one. Um, how you discipline your children. That's a conviction of yours. Because some of you look at another parent, you're like, man, they don't do it right. They do, like, my gosh, I would get a switch yesterday. It would be green. I uh, would tan their hide. Like, you you that. And then there's other people that, like, no, I don't do that. I'm going to stick them in a corner. And then there's like, oh, my gosh, that's like a child abuse. You know, abuse, you can't do that. And then it's like time out. And then it's how much time is taking their phone away is like too much time. And, you know, that crosses the line. And, you know, just so I guess, listen, the Bible does instruct us that we are to discipline our children, discipline the ones you love. You should do that. It's, it's beneficial. But it doesn't tell us how. It doesn't give the details and specifics. So here's my big question, bar or liquid? <laughs> See, the people that laugh know what it's like to have soap put in your mouth. And everybody else is like, what's he talking about? Right? Like, I had bar, thankfully. I think maybe liquid once, but, you know. Like, like, like it's... We need to recognize something. We got convictions, and you got convictions, and I got conviction, and it's really complex. And, 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 and so Paul says, hey, in areas that are gray, disputable matters, let's not fight about it. Let's just not fight about it. He goes on to say, let me, let me read. He goes on to say this in, in um, verse 2 and verse 3. He says, one person's faith allows them to eat anything. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? That's me. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another 
whose faith is weak. <laughs> this is Paul. I'm just reading the Bible. You're vegetarian. You're vegan. Don't get mad at me. Okay? But another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Verse 3, the one who eats everything, now this is for those of you that like to eat everything, must not treat with contempt the one who does not. We've got to leave him alone. Okay? And it says, oh, and both, by the way, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Now, now you might read this initially and you're like, this is really an odd thing to like talk about. This so, it seems so unspiritual, Paul. Like, who cares if you're a vegetarian, you're a vegan, you're a meat eater? You know, it's like I, everybody has their own convictions when it comes to what you eat, right? Like, I, I have a conviction. My conviction allows me to eat pizza, hamburgers, and ice cream. That's my conviction. My cholesterol does not allow me to, but my, my conviction, it does. It allows me to eat all of those things. And then there's others who go, I would never eat meat. And, and so Paul's not talking about vegetarian and meat eaters. That's not what he's talking about. You see, there is a deeper issue than just, are you vegetarian or you meat eater? That was going on. What Paul is speaking to, and, and I, I like to peel back the layers because it's important that we find the principle in this because, because this meant something more 2,000 years ago. Okay, there was actually an issue that Paul was writing to the church that there was division that was being created because one group would hold to very strict Jewish dietary laws and another group did not. The church was made up of some Jewish people that grew up with the law. They, like many of you know what I'm talking about. They grew up with all these rules and they were allowed to eat some things and not eat other things. You couldn't eat bacon. You had to eat food that was kosher. And if you did, you were unclean before God. There was days you had to celebrate and things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And they had all these rules. So the Jews grew up this way. And then all of a sudden when Jesus came and he died for everyone and rose to life. Guess what? It wasn't just the Jews that were putting their faith in him. But it was non-Jewish people. It was the Greeks. It was the Gentiles who were going, I believe in him too. And so now all these people are coming to faith. But you got Jews that grew up with a, remember we talked about this, a vertical morality. They, they grew up, like, with all these laws about you could eat, couldn't eat. It was a vertical. It was like, okay, if I don't eat these things, then God's happy with me. If I do eat these things, then God is happy with me. And so they grew up with this vertical morality. And then all of a sudden, Jesus came, and he came to initiate something brand new. Like, Jesus came and changed the game. He, he said, I didn't come to do away with it, but I'm going to fulfill the law and I'm going to establish something new. And what the Jews didn't get, unfortunately, was they missed the heart of the law and why it was given. Yes, in context, there was a reason why God had them do all those things. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and Jesus says, listen, it's actually not really ultimately about what you put in your mouth that makes you unclean. Jesus said this. This was the new thing he said. Because this was so hard for them because what they were doing is the Jewish believers were saying, you Gentile believers, if you want to be like us, if you want to join in the faith, you need to eat certain things, don't eat certain things, you need to wear certain things, you need to wash before, you need all, you need to all, as a matter of fact, you need to get circumcised. And all the men were like, I'm out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this created all kinds of division in the church. And so Paul has to speak to it and he's telling them, listen, you remember what Jesus said? 
Jesus said, it's not the bacon, it's not what you put in your mouth that makes a person unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth that flows from the heart that determines whether you're clean or unclean before God. Because it's not just a vertical morality, but it's also what you say to your neighbor that matters. And so when you're harsh with people, and when you're judgmental of people, and when you're cutting other people down, don't think that you can stand before God and say, me and God are good, but here I am hurting somebody else. You're missing the whole point, Jesus would say. And so Paul says, maybe you could take food out, a substitute. What is that conviction that you have that someone else doesn't have that you look at someone and you go, this separates us because it was creating division. It created division. And here's why. Because the Jews had grown up with a really strong set of convictions. And we fast forward about 2,000 years. And I have seen the same kind of division happen in the church over many of us that grew up with certain convictions. Like, here was a conviction that some have. You need to wear a certain style or level of clothing to go to church. That's a conviction. You dress up out of respect for God. I understand that. But that's a conviction. That's not a command. We got to recognize that's a conviction that someone has. And Paul would say, you got your conviction, they got their conviction, don't judge each other. Don't say, no, that's not the right way to do it. That's a conviction. Here's another conviction. The style of music in a church. That's a conviction. All I know is we're supposed to come into his courts with thanksgiving and with praise. Like, that's how we're supposed to. He didn't say whether it's a band or not a band or whether it's acoustic or it's loud or if it's quiet or if it's liturgical or if it's out of a hymn book. None of that. We're not told how. We're just encouraged to do it. That's a conviction. People have convictions. Here's another conviction that I've heard a lot growing up, right? You're not allowed to drink alcohol. That's a conviction. It's not a command. It's a conviction. We need to recognize, like, what are convictions? No tattoos. That's con Oh, but pastor, I got a verse for that. I know you do. And I know it's in the old covenant not the new one it's in the old testament you know that's the old covenant that was for the jewish people and oh by the way a lot of times we take that out of context and so if you're going to be someone that's all about the laws because you say your convictions are actually god's law and it's all that if you're going to do that make sure you follow every single one of them because for some reason a lot of us like to skip the one law that talks about not wearing polyester and so if you're that person you're wearing polyester take it off right now in the name of Jesus. no just kidding don't do that we're like, all right, pastor said, no, don't. I'm trying to make a point, right? Like, we need to understand something. These aren't laws. These aren't commands. These are convictions. They're convictions. And we need to recognize that when Jesus came to start something new, he introduced a freedom that the Jews did not have. He came to say, look, I'm going to set you free. What about all 600 plus laws that I got to follow in order to be right? He said, I'll make it real easy for you. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. You do that, you and God are good and you and everyone else is good. You just take care of that and we're good. And so what did that do? It brought a sense of freedom. There is a freedom that is found in Jesus the reason why the world often doesn't want anything to do with the church is because they think it's a bunch of rules. Because what we've done in the church is we've taken our personal convictions and we've turned them into commands. And we've said, you got to do this if you're going to be right with God. 
and we miss the whole boat. We miss it all. And I think some, some of us maybe have a lot more convictions than others. There's a fear that we have, and that is that people do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. If we tell people they're allowed to drink alcohol, they could drink too much alcohol. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's a fear that we have. People are going to do whatever. But in that same sense, I'm thankful that Paul gives us a guide. In fact, I'm going to read a couple verses to you because I believe that Paul gives us a guide on how to navigate the complexities of our convictions. Because I don't want my conviction and my freedom to cause a problem for me or someone else. And so later in this chapter, in, in Romans 14, verses 19 through 22, Paul gives us a guide for our convictions. And I'm going to give you a couple handles today. We're going to close out this series, just some simple application. I encourage you to write some of these thoughts down. I, I want you to kind of like wrestle with them, maybe fight with your family this Thanksgiving over them. It's going to be amazing. Okay. Paul said this. Here's a guide. Verse 19. Paul said, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to what church? Say it out loud. What leads to? Come on, help me out again, Lancaster. What leads to? Peace and the mutual edification. He said, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. L let me give you just a guide for your convictions. I want to give you some handles. Like when it comes to how do I navigate this? And here's the first one. Maybe write this thought down. And this is so convicting for me, but, but that's why it's so good. I believe Paul's saying, be a peacemaker, not a point maker. Who that is heavy. Be a peacemaker, not a point maker. I love how Jesus said, blessed are the point makers, for they will help us see the truth. <laughs> Y'all know that verse, right? This, this one kind of hits a little close to home for me. Um, maybe it does for a lot of preachers. But my makeup, my, my wired self, like, I am by default a point maker. Like, it helps me in preaching, but sometimes it don't help me in my family life. You know what I'm talking about, my friends? Because I'm a point maker. I feel like it is my job, if you're a point maker, you get this, to help you see it the right way. I'm going to set you straight, but I do it out of love. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like it's like my job to correct you when you're incorrect. It's my job to fix your theology. It's my job to fix your politics. It's my job to fix. I feel like I'm a point maker. And so Paul is like speaking to me, like I, I'm just owning this one. And, and, and Paul, Paul really leads us to believe, do whatever it is that leads to peace. No, no, no. Actually, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. In other words, you're never more like your Father in heaven than when you are building peace, creating peace, when you're a peacemaker, not when you're a point maker. And so we need to understand the new thing Jesus would teach. And that is that if you go around making points, I'm going to make a point, I'm going to show you you're wrong, and you do it to the detriment of peace in your relationship, then your point is pointless. When you making a point actually affects your relationship with the person across the table, you are missing the point. Now, you can apply that this Thanksgiving. Right? 
Because I, I need to learn to be a peacemaker. What does that mean? You're going to have moments at times when people are going to do things. You're going to be like, oh, okay, because your conviction. Your conviction. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about just the gray areas. And you're going to want to say it. You're going to want to post a comment on their, mm, their blog. You know, you're going to make sure that they know. You're going to say something a little passive aggressive. You're into this. Here's what I feel like the application is for me. How do I be a peacemaker and not a point maker? There are some times when I just need to say, Tim, shut up. Just, just say it, just say it, your name, and just say, shut up, right? If this is not going to build peace in your life, in your relationships, then maybe shut up. Be a peacemaker, not a point maker. And yet at the same time, Paul also goes on and he says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. In other words, you might have your conviction and your freedom but in the same sense that you have freedom and conviction, don't use that freedom or conviction to actually destroy something that God is doing in somebody else. You see, there's a freedom that I can do what God's, you know, I just, there's a freedom in Christ. I don't need to have a whole bunch of rules telling me what I can and can't do. Other Love God, love people. I mean, I mean, I know that sounds a little too simplistic. We're like, what about all the rest? He's like, that's, if you do that well, you're doing well, right? But here's the thing. I also need to recognize that I shouldn't be doing things that actually destroy. So if my brother, my sister, someone who's brand new in faith or they're brand new to faith or they're just starting out, I should not be doing or saying things that would actually kind of help them take a step backwards in their faith just because I'm free to do it. Because I'm free to say something. I'm free to watch something. I'm free to eat something. I'm free to drink something. In fact, Paul, Paul went on to say this in verse 21. He said, it is better not to eat meat. I don't know why he said that. But he said, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine than to cause somebody else to stumble. In other words, if in your freedom of your conviction that you actually hurt somebody else in their development, in their faith, in their convictions, then you're better off not doing it. Let me give you another rule. Write this one down. This is Dr. Seuss helped me out with this one, so it'll be really memorable. And that is, if it causes someone to fall, don't do it at all. If it causes someone to fall, don't do it at all. Like, if by your freedom, it causes someone else to stumble in their faith journey. I'm not saying, you know, they, they might not get a little ticked off a little bit and they're really religious. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if what you're doing or saying or drinking, or eating, or whatever, is causing someone else to fall in that moment, they're more important than your freedom. They're more important. I'll give you a great example, right? Alcohol. I think there's an application here in alcohol. By the way, um, I believe, and very clearly in Scripture, that it is not a sin to drink alcohol. Okay? I just want to say that. I know some of you might go, no, 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 I've always been told it's a sin. I could sit down with scripture and I can show you a lot of scriptures. I can show where Paul encouraged Timothy to drink a little wine for his stomach and his ailment. I can show you some other scriptures that make you really uncomfortable. You go read Psalm 104, Proverbs 31. Go read some. You're going to be like, uh, I just don't do anything with that. I just kind of like there, there are some that are, they're going to, you're going to wrestle with. I don't believe that it is a sin to drink alcohol. I want to say that. But I also believe based on scripture, that it is a sin to drink alcohol to the point where you lose your control and you get drunk. And I know the big question is, right, right, where's the line, right? Is it like one beer, two beers? Is it one glass, three glasses? Is it a certain amount of time and a certain amount? No. 
is it like 0.08 blood alcohol content? As long as I'm inside of that, is it? No, I'll tell you where the line is, because scripture is clear. Like, don't get drunk and wine, which leads to debauchery. I think it looks like this. Whenever you lose your inhibitions, whenever you lose control, whenever you lose control of your lips, whenever you start losing your witness in Christ, the moment you start saying things that are hurtful to other people and offensive because you wouldn't otherwise say it, but you got a little liquid courage in you, I'm going to tell you that's a sin. How you are with other people, toward other people, and all this, that's when it's a sin. And so we're, we're called to maintain control of our lives and our bodies because you are a witness and a testimony of Jesus no matter where you go. So, so how's the application? I would say this. If you're with somebody that you know struggles with alcohol, or they have struggled, or you know in their family it's a problem, and they're trying not to drink, and you know that in a situation, if I'm out with them or I'm going out and have friends, I'm not going to order a drink because I know that that's going to put pressure on them. And they're going to think, well, I guess I can too. That sounds so legalistic. No, it's, it's caring about other people more than it is my desire to drink. Does that make sense? Like, because we're crazy about this sometimes. I literally have been at the store on New Year's Eve buying some stuff had somebody from our church recognize come up there and look inside my bag to see if I bought any alcohol. There was no alcohol in it, by the way. I'm just saying, but it wouldn't be an issue if there was. But if I'm going to cause someone else to stumble, then I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it in that environment. And so if it's going to cause someone to fall, don't do it at all. Don't do it at all. And then, and then, and then Paul just kind of wraps the whole thing up in verse 22. Let me, let me just close with this verse and maybe trying to put a bow on this entire series. Like, how do we resolve all this we've been talking about being judgmental? Paul said this in verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. He says, blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. You, you are blessed when you do not, through your freedom, abuse it to the point that you condemn yourself or someone else i think paul's saying this your control matters more than your conviction your control matters more than your conviction and there's a phrase that I've, I've pulled from this verse i've shared it before that i like to teach our church when it comes to gray areas we're talking about disputable i'm not talking about stuff that's real clear i'm talking about in the gray areas there's a phrase that i love to teach to kind of like just it's a weird phrase. It's this phrase, kibyeg. Kibyeg. Okay? In fact, I want everybody to say it out loud with me on the count of three, both campuses. One, two, three. Kibyeg. Come on, we can do it better. One, two, three. Kibyeg. 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 What does that mean? Is it the Greek for this phrase? Is it actually, no, it's not. I made it up. Kibyeg. What does it mean? It stands for keep it between you and God. Keep it between you and God. That's what, that's what Paul says. Hey, in these matters of gray and disputable matters, we can argue, but you got convictions and I got convictions. Hey, why don't you just keep it between you and God? I know it's bad grammar, but it is really good theology. Keep it between yourself and God. So whatever that is, well, I'm going to make a point. No, you're not. No, I'm not. We're going to make peace. Now, we'll say this. If you are with somebody and you know somebody and they're actually engaged in something that's sinful. They're doing things, and you see them doing things that are sinful toward other people or toward God. We are called, as Christ followers, listen, to gently, let me say that word again, gently, let me say that word again, gently help restore people to Christ. 
No, I'm going to make a point, and you're so off base. No, 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 no. We're called to gently and lovingly. Hey, man, I just, I don't know if you noticed this, but, but to me, this, this hurts that person. And we're not called to live that way. I want to show love. So we're called to gently. So Kibyeg. So you're going to be at dinner this Thanksgiving. And you're going to be with your spouse today. And you're going to be arguing a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. And you're going to say, well, I think we should do this. And your spouse is going to be like, hi. You know? And you're going to say, Kibyeg, woman. Now I'm just kidding. Don't do that. You stupid. What's wrong with you? Don't do that. She's going to say, Kibyeg. What does it stand for? Keep it between you and God. You got convictions. I got convictions. I'll leave you with this last quote. Um, I was reading a book, and a pastor wrote this, and, and he, he gave us this quote that his wife always reminds him of. He says, pastors were really good at making points and having viewpoints, and today in our culture, we're so good at being political. We got all these viewpoints and all this stuff. And she, she would remind her husband as a pastor with this quote. She would say, remember, a you is more important than a view. A you is more important than a view. Here's what that means. You are more important than my view. You as a person are more important than my view. And I feel like I want to help you know the truth. No, 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 no. You are more important than my view. A you is more important than a view. And if we could just, if we could all live that way. Here's what I want. I want the world around us. I want our community around our church that when they look at people in this church, they say, those are the most loving people in the world. They're not judgmental. They're not looking down at me, throwing their spiritual superiority in my face and all this. They just, they just seem to love like Jesus. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing to represent our church? Amen. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for challenging us. I've been deeply challenged through this series, God. I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to first be able to parse through our convictions and commands that you've given to us, Jesus. But I pray, Lord, that out of this series that we would leave, God, challenged, convicted about the way we are toward other people in the church and outside the church. That, God, we're not called to judge, but we're called to love, use good judgment, so God, I pray that you would help us apply this in our relationships with people, Lord, in our families, our friends, coworkers, neighbors, people that don't know you. I, I pray, God, that this would be a reminder, Kibyeg, that we're going to, in these areas that are disputable, that God, we're not going to argue, we're not going to fight. We're going to love. We're going to show people that Jesus is the way and he is our hope and he is what matters. So God, I pray that you would just help us to know what to do with what we've heard today. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word today. We say all these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, let's thank God for his message today. Amen.